several miles off the main highway, tucked away in a secluded canyon on prime vineyard property, stands a rustic barn that was built many decades before the vines around it were planted. In that barn, a sophisticated broadcast and recording studio has been built. The barn also has a well-hidden root cellar stocked with many of the world's most exceptional wines, only to be shared with guests who secretly come to offer their insights and tell their stories. Guests are sworn to secrecy and are shuttled to the studio aboard a John Deere tractor. Those who cannot make the journey in person are interviewed by satellite hookup, and sometimes the crew simply sneaks away with microphones in hand and interviews guests in barrel rooms, wine cellars, and other magical places. All of this is done like clockwork every single week so that we can bring you another episode of Grape Encounters Radio. Peel me a grape Crush me some ice Skin me a peach Save the fuzz for my pillow And it is time for your weekly Grape Encounter And I came across something Actually, I shouldn't say I came across it It came across me Something the other day That I found very, very intriguing I don't do a lot on LinkedIn But there was a fellow who approached me there He has a very interesting project In the wine industry And at first, you know, this conversation may sound a little bit like it's stilted toward wine professionals, but I assure you, as we get deeper into the conversation, you're going to take a lot away from it. And what you might also be able to take away from it is a lot of information on how you might be able to tiptoe into the wine industry in some very unique ways. I mean, how would you like to see yourself off in Mendoza, picking grapes and just enjoying the wonderful Argentina mountainsides and valleys? And, and places like that. Well, my guest today is Sean Taylor. Sean has been to many of the most exotic places on earth doing all kinds of wine-related jobs, but he also has spent a great deal of time in my neck of the woods. He is a graduate of Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, and uh, how Sean, I guess, knows of me is that, uh, Sean, you were a listener when you were living out here. That's right. I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, and I used to listen when I was driving up and down the coast between uh, L.A. or Santa Barbara and just doing... Uh, you know, beach trips. So I've been listening for, for a long time. So that's why I originally got in contact with you. It's been fun being here on the Central Coast and, and particularly because there are so many amazing winemakers that come out of the Central Coast and many of them, they never leave is an interesting thing because they have so much fun being here in college and then they find out that they can get an internship job or something like that. And the next thing you know, they're making wine and uh, then a little while after that, making history. San Luis Obispo is one of the best places in the world to be. So I spent as much time there as I can, and uh, it's a great place to go back to. Do you feel that San Luis Obispo County and the Central Coast is as well-known in other parts of, I'm going to really say, the world, including, you know, other parts of the country, as people here think it is, or is it still very much an up-and-comer where the rest of the world is concerned? I mean, people know all over the world, they know San Luis Obispo, generally because it's a nice place, like it's a beautiful place to be. From the wine side, I'd say it's definitely emerging, but people know what Cal Poly San Luis Obispo is. Paso Robles obviously is like is world renowned, but San Luis Obispo County is like up and coming. But 
that's a great thing because you, you know you can still afford to live there. I mean, I, I think San Luis Obispo. There's people that I know from France and, and Australia that that have worked there, and and then I met them in other harvest experiences. So it's kind of like a well kept secret, I'd say. Still, I mean, San Luis Obispo was definitely developed even in yeah, the, yeah. you know since the seven or eight years or ten years since I've gone to school there. But I'm kind of glad that people haven't uh, completely discovered it yet. But uh, well, yeah. there's the little local plug. But now let's talk about your website because it's it's a yeah. really really interesting concept. These sorts of things are actually being done in other industries, but I've never seen this in the wine industry. And the website's yeah. called RateMyWineMaker.com. Well, first thing I did was I jumped right over to the website because I thought, what does that mean? And is it consumers rating winemakers or is it something different? And it was something different. I'd like you to share with me what that is. Then why would that be important to a consumer, not just somebody who's in the wine industry, albeit that we do have a lot of people in the wine industry that listen to the show. Just a lot of people around this country, a lot of their friends are in the wine industry. Most of my friends, as, as being a wine industry person, like I, I live around Sonoma, I live around Napa, and there's a community of, of winemakers out there around the world that travel as well. From a person who, who's just interested in wine, and that's how I got into it to begin with, because um, I was just interested in fermentation. I was interested in the wine culture. What Basically, what RayMyWineMaker.com does is it, it requires accountability from workers. So just like um, in the tech industry in San Francisco, they have Glassdoor, right? Glassdoor is, gives workers the ability to anonymously rate their winemaker or their harvest experience. So there's traveling winemakers all over the world. Like there's um, what I use to find my jobs um, and what I used to find my first job in the wine industry was a, was a Facebook page called Traveling Winemakers Living the Dream. It's a community of 28,000 young winemakers and old winemakers as well. Wow. And if you want to find a harvest job all over the world, you can go on there and you can find your job. I have friends from all over the world and you can go on there and I found jobs in Mendoza, Argentina. I found a job in, in Australia. You can find jobs in South Africa and in India, China, Japan, really anywhere in the world where you want to find a job. In generations past, when young people were trying to explore the world and uh, you know learn about different cultures and different things, there wasn't the wine opportunities that there are today. But now with wine being so enormous, not just in California, not just in the U.S., but really all over the world, the consumption just keeps going up and up and up and up. And the people who are most drawn to it are without question the millennials and uh, Gen Xers uh, coming in second there. But the millennials are fascinated by it, not just from the perspective of wanting to drink it and learn about it, but also to work in the industry. So it doesn't surprise me when you tell me there's one Facebook page alone where there's 28,000 generally young people, I would take it, that are, are looking for jobs all over the world. Yeah. I mean, th really the first thing that drew me to winemaking, I mean, I studied it, but I knew that there was the potential to travel the world. And as soon as I kind of, as soon as I figured out that I, that I found that page and I saw that I could go, I did that first harvest job in Australia. I mean, from then on, it was kind of like, I mean, uh, there's a lot of winemakers in the industry or that, that feel the same way as it once you get out there and you're able to see the world. Like I went to Australia and then after that trip to Australia, I had enough money from working, you you know, 12 to 16 hour days that I could go to Thailand and I got to go to Southeast East Asia and do my first trip by myself. After that, I came home and I worked really hard again on the harvest and, and I made enough money that I was able to go to Argentina and then I got to explore Peru and Bolivia and Chile. And then I came home, I worked really hard again and then I got to go to South Africa and I got to backpack through Namibia and Zimbabwe and Mozambique and I got to see all these places and it all opened up for me be, because of wine. And, it, and I just going and meeting all these people from all over the world, creating these connections of people that love 
agriculture and love making wine and, and they're just good down to earth people that, I mean, that's how you, you, you fall in love with the industry pretty quick. And, and I mean, seeing the world just opens you up to so many new things. But how strange is it that, you know, we have communities for wine, but not broccoli, you know, wine's just got such a, it's a consumable product, but it's just got something about it that just draws people in. And it is really a culture more than it even is a product, I think, because there, there are people who are living the wine life that don't even drink wine, you know, for that matter. But it's that, you know, that romance that goes in into making wine. When you first tried to do this to get out and, and get your first job, and, and was that basically harvesting? My first job, because I had a degree, you don't, you don't need a degree in wine. Really, if you have a connection in some way, you can find a job, right? All it really requires, it's easier to get a job if you have a, like a, maybe a bachelor's in science, something like chemistry or biochemistry or, or biology. Um, I had a winemaking degree, so it was easier to find my first job because Cal Poly kind of like helped me navigate that. If you really want to get into the industry and do your first harvest job, there are wineries that are better for that. So like on the website and on my Instagram page, I try and like help people find their first job. So like a lot of first timers will go to New Zealand and do a harvest job on like a big winery. Let's say like in Devon is a big company or New Zealand wineries limited. And your first job, I mean, your introduction to the wine industry is cleaning. And some people will like won't find that romantic and then other people will find that romantic. Like for me, my first harvest job was like climbing inside of tanks and, you know, cleaning nonstop and like crushing cardboard. But it was also like, you know, meeting all these people who are incredibly passionate about what they do. And I got to learn so much. I got to taste great wines. It depends on what you qualify as romance because like romance to a lot of winemakers is just like incredibly hard work and just being exhausted at the end of the day and being able to share a bottle of wine with your friends. But I think there's that camaraderie and, you know, the kind of people who work in the industry, there's a real common denominator between them. I mean, so many of my friends are wine friends and uh, wine industry friends. And it's not just because I work in the industry. It's because they're the kind of people I like being around. They're decent. They're honest. They're hardworking. They're passionate. They're creative. I could go on and on, but uh, we're going to take a break here for a second. We're talking to Sean Taylor. He is the creator of RateMyWineMaker.com. And uh, he's been everything from a cellar rat to uh, somebody who's created something that I think is really, really going to be great for the industry, but also great for uh, we consumers as well. So we'll be back with Sean in just a second on Crape Encounters Radio. Stay with me. Remember, as much as you may love wine, it is not the answer to your problems. Unless the problem is you're out of wine. Your Grape Encounter with David Wilson will continue right after these important messages. You don't have a problem with that, do you? Hi, it's David Wilson. And if you're a frequent listener, you know that I constantly tell you the importance of aerating most wines. If you don't, you're simply not tasting your wine in all of its glory. Well, there's a remarkable new wine aeration product out that's beautiful, mesmerizing, and destined to revolutionize conventional decanting. It's the V-Spin, a gorgeous decanter that sits on a simple stand. But inside that stand is some very innovative magnetic technology, which enables the wine in the decanter to swirl silently, creating a vortex that exposes the wine to the perfect amount of air in just a few minutes, accomplishing what otherwise could take hours. 
and you can adjust the speed and time to perfectly suit the wine varietal. I've put the V-Spin through rigorous testing, and the results were consistently stunning. And you can now buy it on Amazon. Learn more at vspin.us. That's V as in vino, spin.us. I want to tell you about one of my absolute favorite treats in the world. I take a piece of triple cream brie cheese, put a few very special 100% organic heirloom walnuts on top, and then drizzle a little honey on it to make this a purely irresistible morsel of deliciousness. Then I pour myself a small serving of decadent port-style wine to create the perfect complement. That's just one example of how I pamper myself with products from MM Organics in Paso Robles, California. Now, you're on your own with the honey and brie, but the walnuts and port-style dessert wine can be ordered online at mmorganics.com. They've also got lots of other delicious walnut products available, including their peerless sprouted walnuts and lots of decadent flavors, organic gluten-free walnut flour, raw organic walnut butter, estate organic walnut oil, and fair trade dark chocolate covered walnuts. MM Organics products are among the best in the world. Get your ship right away at mmorganics.com. He's setting down the wine glass and picking up the microphone. Here's your Grape Encounters host, David Wilson. All right, we're back with Grape Encounters Radio, and I'm talking to somebody who's really forcing me to face some of my biggest regrets in my lifetime. We're talking to Sean Taylor. He is the founder of RateMyWineMaker.com, which is a very interesting website, which gives people who work in the wine industry the opportunity to rate the winemaker that they work for. Now, when you say winemaker, by the way, are you talking about the winery itself, or are we talking about the winemaker at the winery? Right now, with Rate My winemaker.com, I found, because it's just me, that, that the name was what really stuck the most. And I wanted to make sure that people were going to go back to the site. The reality is that the majority of the ratings on the site are just about the wineries. There's always winemakers that are shifting from company to company. But right now, yeah, we basically what we do is you're rating the harvest experience. So that's a, usually a contract job, so four to five months. And then you're just rating the company. I want this to be a positive thing, and I want people to be able to get as much information as they can before they make a decision on their next job. But I don't want to be taking an individual and bashing them. That's not the goal of the website. The goal of the website is really just to give people the information they need so that they're not wasting their time or their money to fly across the world for a job that doesn't suit them or doesn't help them educate themselves or move forward in their career. So really, yeah, it's it's more we're rating businesses rather than individuals. Another thing I, I find interesting is that you refer to yourself as a winemaker. In most people's vernacular, winemaker seems to be that person who is above all of the other people who are who is calling the shots and is directing all of the minutiae. Yeah. But I guess it is true, you know, that even if you're picking grapes, you're a winemaker. There's different levels to it on and different levels of the industry, right? Like, so there might be a, like a, a massive business like Kendall Jackson, where the head winemaker is somebody who oversees the entirety of the process and he might have 40 workers under them. And then there's small time producers all over where it's just the winemaker and two guys and they're doing punch downs or pump overs or they're doing the entirety of the operation. So I call my winemaker, myself a winemaker in the sense that like, I work 
I've worked in big wineries, I've worked in small wineries, but I can do all the cellar operations myself, um, I can do all the winemaking operations myself, and I make wine myself at home. So, I mean, calling yourself a winemaker, I say it in the sense that, like, if we were in Italy in the 1800s, I'd call myself a winemaker versus the title that you might be given on LinkedIn. So, in a lot of ways, Rate My Winemaker is a bit like Yelp, except it's not the servers, generally, who are going on Yelp or the chefs who are going on Yelp and rating the restaurant. It's the consumer. But it can do a lot of damage, as a lot of people know who are, you know, in the service industry. A bad review can can do a lot of damage. Is that something that you're concerned about? And are you in any way going through and reviewing some of the comments to just see if, hey, this isn't consistent with what I know about this operation or what other people are writing about this operation? How much do you worry about that? I worry about it a lot. It's on my it's on my conscience all the time. And that's why it's my goal to I have, basically what my goal is to do is to increase the sample size of every single rating. The reality is that not every single person is cut out for doing a seller job, you know, because they're difficult jobs. Um, while they're while they're amazing learning experiences and that they've built me as a, as an individual so much. My goal is every time that I see a negative review review go up, first thing that I have to do is I go through like a vetting process. Have they have they called out an individual by name? Is this generally negative? Are they using swear words? And then what I do immediately is I if there, I see a negative review, I contact the winery and I say you have a negative harvest review up, and I contact individuals as well who've worked there because I want to know wow. that the sample size is enough that it's giving a true representation of what the harvest experience is. And I've had tons of winemakers come to me and, and message me or email me and say like this is just Yelp, this is this is not good for the you know they don't want they're not happy with with what might occur. The reality is that I talk through it with them and I've talked to tons of winemakers on the phone and just by the end of the conversation I've explained to them like this is this is my experience, this is the experience of my friends, these are the, this is the feedback I've gotten on the site and I have to trust in the community of winemakers that I know and, and, and the people around me that this site is going to be a positive thing because I've, I've seen people struggle through through harvests where I've had friends come from France and they had their hours cut by half and they were struggling to pay rent and they paid for all these visas to get here. And then personally, I flew to Argentina for a harvest and, and I had one of my best friends who was down there and they had their winemaker pouring ethanol alcohol into to um, up the alcohol tent content of, no of their wine. So the idea is behind the website is really just accountability. I don't want you know it to turn into a negative thing like Yelp, but generally people's experiences are over a three to four month period or a longer full-time job. So wineries have the opportunity to provide a good work experience and all I can really do is, is hope that the site plays out where it benefits winemakers who are doing the right things and that people who aren't doing the right things are held accountable. And if the site ever comes to a point where I don't think it's doing a positive thing, I would take it down because really my goal is just for people to, to find good jobs, for them to, to, to be educated because really everybody who's in this industry, we're not in it for the money necessarily. Like everybody that I've met and all my friends are just passionate about wine. They're passionate about learning about fermentation, about, about science, about, you know, just living out their lives kind of within farming ideals and, and that's why I hang out with these people that's why they're my friends and I'm just doing my best to provide people with the information that they need I started to say at the end of the last segment that the wine industry is interesting in that there are not a lot of really bad people in the wine industry for starters most wineries are family oriented they're family owned yes there are great big winemaking operations out there but even a lot of those you know started as uh, small intimate families and there's a real sense of 
family, a real sense of family with the workers. And there's also that sense that we will not make good wine if we don't really take good care of the workers. Hence, this conscientiousness that's going on today, you know, with sustainability and that idea of sustainable practices, meaning making sure that your team can sustain themselves as well, not just the grapes, not just the land. Definitely. There's so many levels to what this site can be. And and first thing I want to mention is that it doesn't have to be a negative or a positive review. Like, I wish that all reviews were positive, but you can learn so much about um, like what your job might be from saying, like, okay, this harvest job, you might be on one activity for the entirety of the harvest because that's a large harvest. You know, it's a, it's a big winery and yeah, yeah, you might just yeah. be stuck on one job versus this is a small-time winery experience. And then there are so many issues around the wine industry. Um, are people being paid properly? Can they live within the communities where they work? So I think that this, this website could be a good good thing to just kind of make sure that the workers are being taken care of in the industries and that they can live within the towns where their wineries are. Sean Taylor is my guest. He is the founder of Rape My Winemaker, but a, a whole lot more than that. He has literally traveled the world with a lot of young people who have found that this is a great way to make some pretty decent money, to be pretty well taken care of, to have some pretty interesting jobs, probably to take a lot of pounds off as well if <laughs> because you have to work so bloody hard. More than that, to learn a lot about wine. And, you know, even if you're cleaning tanks, for Pete's sake, you're going to learn by osmosis. And we'll get into more of that in just a second and then a couple of other things that Sean's doing that I think are really worth talking about. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. sometimes say it's the wine talking. Well, everyone knows that wine can't talk. That's why a bunch of grapes got together and hired David Wilson to do the talking for them. (laughs) David will uncork today's story after this. For nearly four years, I've taken many opportunities to tell you about the place that Grape Encounters Radio calls home, Atascadero located right in the heart of the spectacular California Central Coast wine country, which offers a lot more to see and do than simply enjoying the world-class wines we produce here. Atascadero is a town where people are remarkably friendly, food and accommodation prices are far lower than in other wine countries, and every activity imaginable can be found just minutes away in any direction, including world-class wineries, ocean sports, and breathtaking beaches, cycling, equestrian activities, sightseeing, hiking, hot springs, farm-to-table cuisine, cider houses, concert venues, shopping, and so much more. I've had countless visits from around the country by listeners at the Grape Encounters Emporium Wine Bar in Atascadero's historic colony district. I hope you'll be next. For more information, log on to visitatascadero.com. Hi, it's David Wilson. And if you're a frequent listener, you know that I constantly tell you the importance of aerating most wines. If you don't, you're simply not tasting your wine in all of its glory. Well, there's a remarkable new wine aeration product out that's beautiful, mesmerizing, and destined to revolutionize conventional decanting. It's the V-Spin, a gorgeous decanter that sits on a simple stand. 
but inside that stand is some very innovative magnetic technology, which enables the wine in the decanter to swirl silently, creating a vortex that exposes the wine to the perfect amount of air in just a few minutes, accomplishing what otherwise could take hours. And you can adjust the speed and time to perfectly suit the wine varietal. I've put the V-Spin through rigorous testing, and the results were consistently stunning. And you can now buy it on Amazon. Learn more at vspin.us. That's V as in vino, spin.us. Before we continue, I want to do you a favor. Write down two words or get Siri or Alexa to remember them for you. The words are peak, that's P-E-A-K-E, ranch. Now, over the past 10 years that I've been talking all things wine, my product endorsements have definitely been few and far between. That's because I'm not just a wine journalist. I'm also a wine critic and a wine judge, and I've got a reputation. Not that kind of reputation. Anyway, the wines of Peak Ranch would easily win a gold medal from me in any blind tasting. They're a small boutique label making wines from grapes grown on one of California's most legendary properties. The Pinots, the Chardonnays, and Syrahs are going to absolutely blow your mind. And because Peak Ranch is a new name to most wine enthusiasts, they're priced well below the price they'll likely command as more and more of you see the remarkable scores and reviews they're getting from the world's toughest critics, including myself. Log on to PeakRanch.com, read their story, and buy a bottle or two or three. Each varietal is a masterpiece. Now, I've never had a single listener ever write me to say that they were not impressed with any recommendation I've made. These wines are huge winners. Get yours online at PeakRanch.com. That's P-E-A-K-E Ranch.com. Winemakers, wine lovers, wine adventures, and all things wine from around the globe. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson, broadcasting from our wine cellar studio in idyllic Atascadero, centrally located in the Central Coast wine country of San Luis Obispo County, California. Back with Grape Encounters Radio, and you know when you kind of think about it, if you went back not that long ago to, let's say, the 60s or the early 70s, there were so few wines that were available. I don't know if you buy your wine in grocery stores or packaged goods stores, or you might have found in those days 10 or 12 or 15 wines would be doing good. And now in the world, there are literally millions, and I'm not kidding, millions of different wine labels out there. I'm not talking about winemakers necessarily, but we're talking about individual types of wine made. But then there's hundreds of thousands of winemakers across the, the planet right now. And so the opportunity for people to really do something that was never available really before in any great size, is here today. We've got um, a very interesting guy out of Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo, just down the road from me. You've done how many harvests now? Seven, and I also worked at a whiskey distillery for a while. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. yeah, you're still young. You could you could start fairly young. Do you have to be 21 to work a harvest? You don't have to be 21. I did my first harvest when I was 21, and my first harvest was in Australia. The rules have changed a little bit at Cal Poly. So when I was at Cal Poly, you actually weren't allowed to drink in the classes and we weren't allowed to take our wine tasting or wine sensory analysis class until we were over 21 but I believe that they just changed that and then if you go to Europe or you go to Australia where the 
where the drinking age is different, you can work a harvest at a younger age. Um, but here in the, in California, you know, I'm not actually sure. I think the hiring age is, is I'm pretty sure it's over. You have to be over 21. When you go out and you work a harvest and you meet up with newbies who have not done it before, the ones that went and studied um, viticulture or enology or, or some aspect of the winemaking business, and then the ones that didn't study it, what is the reaction that you see after a period of time with these people? Is it different between the ones who were more educationally prepared or are the ones who are just excited about wine and want to learn from square one, are they just as excited? I'd say that just because you have a degree in winemaking doesn't mean that you're going to be a winemaker and and just because you don't have a degree in winemaking doesn't mean you can't be one because once you get thrown into your first harvest, you become a family with the team that surrounds you and everybody kind of relies on each other and if you love it, you love it and if you don't, you don't but you know pretty quickly whether you think that this could be something that's for you. As far as learning goes in your first harvest, maybe you'll pick up a few extra things because you took these these courses but really when you when you get thrown into it so much of it is just like hard work and grit and are you willing to clean are you willing to do what the winemaker says can you make it past 10 or 12 hours or 14 hours with a smile on your face i mean really it's just you're going to find out who you are pretty quickly in your first harvest and and all that science and everything that comes with it from university yeah it'll help you but is it the most important thing i'd say probably not it's just a desire to be there is, is really the most important thing over everything do the people who came out of school, are they good to the people who have just jumped in and didn't make four years of sacrifice and feel like they can shortcut their way into the wine industry? Is there any resentment there? No, I, I definitely not. And, and I would really? say if a person was trying to get into the industry and, and somebody who was in the industry gave a person that kind of attitude, I'd say that, like you said earlier with the winemaking, it's, it's generally like the people that I've met, they're good people. If you are willing to do the jobs that nobody else wants to do, if you're willing to scrub the floors, if you're willing to get inside the tanks and you can earn that respect, people are going to show you that love. They're going to answer your questions. It's really just earning your place in in the cellar and, and putting in the work that everybody else puts in. And if that happens, then there's no resentment at all. It's, it's everybody's there to learn. And that, those are the best working environments to work in. You will find sellers where that's not the case, where they might think that people are trying to weasel their way into the industry. But yeah, I, in my experience, it's good people. And if you're working hard, people are going to help you to learn um, because that's what everybody's there for. It's just, you show the desire and people are going to, are going to help you along the way. Okay. So true or false people who work in the wine making industry and especially in the wine making part of the industry. True or false? They're some of the most humble, unpretentious people on earth. I'd say that it depends where you go. Okay. Um, I didn't expect that answer, actually. Okay, go ahead. There are going to, just just from, I've had, you know, seven harvest experiences and worked at places, and I wouldn't say pretentious. Pretentious is not the word to use, but there are wineries where you're going to find a deeper connection and a winemaker who is going to be there with you and kind of helping you through the process of making wine. There are going to be places where it's it's more disconnected where there's more of a, um, a corporate structure, you know, where you might not necessarily be able to work with the winemaker or there might be a disconnect between like what's going on with the winemaking and, and who you are and what your role is. 
what the goal of the what of waymywinemaker dot com and what I think it can help people do is is find these places where you are going to get the most out of your experience. What I'd like to do with the website, or what I'd like the website to provide to people who want to get into the industry, is that they have a resource to be able to see, like, okay, if this person is being isn't going to provide this experience to me, or doesn't care about my education, and isn't going to pay me a wage that's proper for the the hard work that I put in, do I have a place to search them out and and make a decision not to go there? Maybe you see it from a different perspective because you've you know worked in other countries in winemaking where I've only gone there and interviewed people and of course when I'm interviewing people they you know generally you know hope to leave a good impression because a lot of people mm-hmm. are going to hear it but I just of my winemaking friends I just think they're just they tend to be such loving kind people because they do work hard and you know an awful lot of them don't make a lot of money because it's a it's very hard to make money in the winemaking business and I and I guess I would really differentiate between the mega wine producers and the, the boutique wine producers strictly from the standpoint that one is a corporation that produces a grape-based beverage and the other one is a, a craftsperson or craftspeople who are making something that is really in many ways a work of art. And I think of them as two very different things. Not to say that I I, I hold one more dear than the other because, look, you know, if you want to go and buy $4 bottles of wine and take them to a tailgate party, that's fine. But you're going to be dealing with more industry-type people in a situation like that. And then there's the in-between where you've got companies like Kendall Jackson or Mondavi where they make they make a whole lot of wine, but they also have their pet brands that are, you know, really, really super high-quality, low-production wines as well. It's both sides of the spectrum and a lot in-between. But I just, you know, generally speaking, I love to go to wine events because I just feel feel like it's just more real to me the people are more real which you know kind of brings me to an important question which is as far as the kinds of comments that you get are they generally constructive i would say that the majority of them are constructive and just to comment on what you just said when you put it that way i mean i entirely agree with what you're saying and maybe my differentiation would be like winemaker versus vintner because i agree with you that on a person to person basis the people that i meet that that's the reason why i'm in this industry is because because i like being around the people and and I think that, that, that the values that they hold hold up with, with the values that I hold. And like I said, I, I think that maybe if there's 90% of the people are good in this industry and maybe there's 10% that, that aren't being good to people, that it still makes the website worth the time. Well, no, it makes it, 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 makes it worth the time if 90% are great people and that's just that many more opportunities that somebody might want to go after. All right, we're going to hold that thought for just a second. Actually, we're going to move on from that thought because I, I want to really take this home for our listeners who... Uh, first of all, might have a reason to go to your website and then also might have a reason because they want to do something in the wine industry. So we'll dig into that next. I'm talking to Sean Taylor. He is the founder of RateMyWineMaker.com. He has worked in the industry for a good long time now, and uh, he's also a teacher of uh, many things wine and, I guess, chocolate, too. And we'll have to ask about that when we return with Grape Encounters Radio. Encounters is 100% estate-grown. We have, however, removed the pretentiousness and added a healthy dose of fun. David will be right back as soon as he's through unfriending anyone who doesn't love wine. Oh, I I guess it's going to be a very short break. 
want to tell you about one of my absolute favorite treats in the world. I take a piece of triple cream brie cheese, put a few very special 100% organic heirloom walnuts on top, and then drizzle a little honey on it to make this a purely irresistible morsel of deliciousness. Then, I pour myself a small serving of decadent port-style wine to create the perfect complement. That's just one example of how I pamper myself with products from MM Organics in Paso Robles, California. Now, you're on your own with the honey and brie, but the walnuts and port-style dessert wine can be ordered online at mmorganics.com. They've also got lots of other delicious walnut products available, including their peerless sprouted walnuts in lots of decadent flavors, organic gluten-free walnut flour, raw organic walnut butter, estate organic walnut oil, and fair trade dark chocolate covered walnuts. MM Organics products are among the best in the world. Get yours shipped right away at mmorganics.com. For nearly four years, I've taken many opportunities to tell you about the place that Grape Encounters Radio calls home, Atascadero, located right in the heart of the spectacular California Central Coast wine country, which offers a lot more to see and do than simply enjoying the world-class wines we produce here. Atascadero is a town where people are remarkably friendly, food and accommodation prices are far lower than in other wine countries, and every activity imaginable can be found just minutes away in any direction, including world-class wineries, ocean sports, and breathtaking beaches, cycling, equestrian activities, sightseeing, hiking, hot springs, farm-to-table cuisine, cider houses, concert venues, shopping, and so much more. I've had countless visits from around the country by listeners at the Grape Encounters Emporium Wine Bar in Atascadero's historic colony district. I hope you'll be next. For more information, log on to visitatascadero.com. Connecting winemakers, wine lovers, wine adventures, and all things wine from around the globe. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson. And we're back with Grape Encounters Radio, and uh, what a pleasure to have on Sean Taylor. He has created something called RateMyWineMaker.com, and he's done a very thorough job. And he has got directories of, of wineries literally all over the world where people like himself, and especially young people, go and take jobs uh, during harvest time, or maybe they work all year long. You have an opportunity as one of those people to evaluate the place that you're working for. And it seems like to me, Sean, your biggest reason for that is so that you can provide some guidance to the literally what's got to be hundreds of thousands of people out there now that would like to to find an opportunity in the wine industry. So this is a really good place, I guess, because if you if you find a job or several jobs that you might be interested in and you're going to follow up on that, you can go here first, right? Exactly. So the most important thing about the website is I want to encourage people to be able to go out there and be able to do the things that I've done because the wine industry means everything to me. Like the people that I've met in the wine industry, on my first harvest experience, I learned more about myself than anything that I've ever done. So with the website, you can go there and, and I encourage people to, to go and check out the website because there's reviews from wineries all over the world. Like if you want to go to New Zealand and do one harvest and you don't want to make wine for the rest of your life, you're still going to learn an incredible amount about wine. It's going to help you move forward in the industry. And I think that people respect that you went out there and you, you took that chance and you, you worked that, that winery harvest job because, um, I mean, the more harvest you do, the more you learn 
about yourself. Whether you do one or ten, it doesn't matter. You're going to have a great time. And this website, you can go here and you can find jobs in South Africa. You can find jobs in Argentina, Chile, New Zealand, Australia, all over the world. Okay, so let's talk first about the person who right now is saying, okay, it's probably too late for harvest this year, but next year... I want to work a harvest. I want to travel the country. I've got a little bit of money put away. I'm going to have to make some money, but I want to see things and do interesting things. Of the places that you've been, first, tell me where you would probably steer that first-time wannabe winemaker in the world. And then also, where would you steer them to find that place, that ultimate opportunity? So, I mean, if you want to get into the wine industry and you want to make a little bit of money, I mean, it's Sonoma and Napa are some of the best places in the world to be. There's great jobs in San Luis Obispo County, great jobs in Paso Robles. So if, if you don't, if you're a young recent graduate and you want to do a harvest here, you can do one here. It's, you might still be able to find jobs if you go on winejobs.com. I know that uh, UC Davis Venn Jobs is, uh, is another website. You can Google that, UC Davis Venn Jobs. And then on Traveling Winemakers, Living the Dream is the Facebook page that I use to find harvest jobs all over the world. So harvest jobs are still going up for, for vintages right now, for people trying to fill their last spots, and then you can also find... Oh, so there, so there, are, there, are oppor- there are opportunities exist right now. Opportunities exist right now. Like, I was on the wow. uh, Traveling Winemakers Living the Dream page today, and there was posts up from people looking for their last cellar hands in France, in Germany, um, in Austria, in Portugal. So every day, new posts go up. And then on top of that, California. So I saw some posts go up from Paso Robles wow. and Oregon and from Walla Walla last week. So there's still jobs to be filled now. Looking forward to the Southern Hemisphere harvest, there was also posts up today from South Africa. So it really, throughout the year, you can be looking for jobs and really find something if, if you want to because people fill their last positions or they decide to fill early. They have dropouts and they need fill-ins. So throughout the year, you can be looking. How do I apply? Do I write them a letter? Do I send them a videotape? Do I do a Skype call with them? How, how is it done? Generally, what you would do is you'd send over your resume. They'll ask for references. And if they see that your references or that you have some relevant experience, so you have a degree in chemistry, a degree in biology, a degree in winemaking, then they would set up a Skype call with you. Now, if you're a person who's first-time in the industry, you would probably go after a bigger winery. Like I said, there are some amazing big wineries in New Zealand that set first-timers up for your kind of your introductory harvest job. Like in Devon is a great company to look up. New Zealand Wineries Limited. Limited. Gisvin. These are all wineries generally in the Marlborough area on the south, the northern part of the South Island of New Zealand. And they all have ratings up on the site. And those are introductory jobs to the wine industry where you're going to get, you're going to do maybe one job for one week and another job for another week. And they're going to be basic jobs, but you're going to be working working with people from all over the world. So your team might be 45 people versus a smaller winery. You might have five people. But you're going to be meeting people from all over the world. And that's also that introductory harvest is going to allow you to meet people that might have family wineries in Portugal or might have family wineries in France or back in California. What would be your two top picks? Maybe not wineries, but just places. My number one far and away harvest that I that I ever did was in Stellenbosch, South Africa. Really? Wow. Really for me. Yeah, for me, Stellenbosch, South Africa is a gorgeous place. The wines are tucked into these like massive mountains and just over everything I worked the longest hours that I've ever worked there and I made the least money that I've ever worked but it was just the culture surrounding wine and how much excitement there was around the wine in South Africa was was amazing for me we did sit down harvest dinners every single night blind tastings I got to try wines from from sellers going back 40 50 years I got wow. to try wow. Um, oh, wow the winemaker would take me and say on one given night go walk into my personal cellar in my house and go pick out a wine and those were the types of really the that's really the inspiration for the site is that is that everybody can experience that for me because because one harvest can change 
the outcome of your career. If you, if you had one harvest where you didn't have as good of an experience, you might say this this wasn't for me, and, and that's not necessarily yeah. that person's fault. And yeah, good, good reason about to South go Africa for me was an amazing harvest, and, and I'll never forget it. And, and I was just going to say very quickly uh, something about the website that I think is really important uh, as well for the consumer. I mentioned this, that you want to really maybe go on there and just look at some of the comments about places that you're thinking of going just to see, you know, what workers are saying about the establishment that they're making wine for or have made wine for because that's a, that's going to maybe help you define a trip that you might want to take. You might read some cool stuff about wineries in South Africa and that might help you determine that. I mean, you're really, it's not the reason for the website, but it's a, a good byproduct of the website. I think that's cool. Hey, listen, Sean, I hate to tell you, we are done, but I know that you teach chocolate making, that you teach a lot about wine. The website is not for those things. It's ratemywinemaker.com. But for people who want to plug into your whole world, because you've got so many things going on, where do they find you? So I do. I teach workshops all over the Bay Area, San Francisco. I've, I've taught in Costa Rica. I teach chocolate making, fermentation, and wine making classes. So if people want to check me out, I'm always posting tips on like how to you know properly make wine, how to how to do all the different fermented products. Um, I have a little workshop business called Ferment Nomad. <laughs> it's a funny little name, but you can find me on Instagram with tips on all sorts of wine making and fermentation stuff and chocolate making. And you can find me at Ferment underscore Nomad. So yeah, that's a good place to go. And, and that's the introductory stuff to fermentation. And, and I also post um, different wine making tips and, and places to visit as well. All right. Well, that is going to do it today for Grape Encounters and our discussion with Sean Taylor, the Ferment Nomad. And remember, you never, ever want to ferment mad. Okay. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> That's actually true. I never ferment. I say put on uh, put on David Wilson and, and start your fermentation. All right. Hey, we'll see everybody back here next week. Sean, good luck to you. I can't wait to actually meet you in person. Uh, I know we'll catch up one of these days real soon. See what you're doing. I'll learn to make a little chocolate, maybe. All right, David. It's great talking. To you. Okay, Thanks for having fine. Me. We'll see you all back here next week. You never know what part of the country or the world the Grape Encounters microphones will take you to. Don't miss a single experience. Your Grape Encounter isn't over. We're just taking a breather until next week's edition. 